So once you see how, once you know how sausage is made, then all you want to do is keep making sausage. It's just really fun. Yeah, that's what that is. What they say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hi, my name is Willows, and my name is Not. And uh, welcome to the podcast that is called I'll Call Beyond This Point podcast. Um, this is episode eighty-five, and uh, today we are going alike. to drink. Yeah, I was a poet and I didn't even know that I was one. Jesus. Uh, so we're pretty far behind on posting episodes because I am. Um, I have. Uh, yeah, I'm. I have two months of episodes stacked up. Um, I keep being like, "Oh, I'll have time on Wednesday. Oh, I'll have time on Monday. Oh, I'll have time on whenever to edit them." And then I I wake up and it's been a week and I'm like, "Jesus Christ, where's my fucking time going?" Yeah. I am very overwhelmed with work right now. I just fired somebody and I'm understaffed and uh, my harvest is going to be larger than it's ever been. Uh, that's coming up in like four days. To be fair, didn't you fire somebody like two days before they were leaving? Uh, no. And we just got a canning line, which is we bought <laughs> a piece of equipment that requires a lot of our time uh, in our busiest time. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and we bought, we rushed it to hit, hit a deadline and we didn't even end up hitting the deadline or yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So How, did you pay a bunch of extra money to rush it? No. Um, I wouldn't say a bunch. There was, we probably wasted a few thousand dollars. Um, le- more than, more than three, less than 10. I'm going to say somebody might call um, it a bunch. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's um. How much did the extra rush actually knock off time wise? We just couldn't have gotten it faster. Yeah. Like it just from the time it everything took, we just we just couldn't have done it any faster. So for context, I had a uh, we had a music festival. We were supposed to support supply um, our new. Um, collab iced tea which we're drinking right today uh the wild in wild berry hard iced tea available at shrugdot.com that's s-h-r-u-g-d-o-c.com canada-wide shipping um so we had a music festival hosted by the company that we're collabing with here wild in and um it was uh, this saturday or it's this saturday coming up so it's in th- three days and um we they were gonna buy thirty thousand dollars worth of these cans wholesale yeah and uh, so that would have been a nice payday, but I just, but it's in Al, it's in a different province. It's in Alberta, and um, I, uh, we just we we had to deal with their liquor board, and we had to deal with shipping, and then like we we only got the funding to buy this thing like a month ago. Yeah. Like maybe, and then we had to, you know, wire it and and plumb it and all this shit. This big piece of equipment. Uh, and then Zach had to take like three days to train on it with like a professional and it was like a whole thing. And, um, we actually, we could have hit it, the deadline, but then the government as the government does steps in the way. And we, we had all the, like, that's the most frustrating part is that I had all the cans ready. Yeah. Five pallets of cans, 10,000 of them are sitting in my warehouse right now, ready to go. And it was the other logistics that fucked up and we couldn't get it. So missed out on it. It is what it is, but I'm more worried about hurting the relationship with the, the people that were not like wild but the people that were actually hosting the festival. Yeah. I'm worried. Cause that was kind of the deal. They were like, Oh, if it sells well, we'll bring it in our restaurants and stuff. I won't say the, the chain, but it's pretty big uh, out there. And that was kind of part of the deal was that this was a proof of concept. Yeah. And now we don't have that. Mm. So that's what I'm kind of bummed about. Big monkey wrench. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. You know, it's, um, I couldn't have done, like given the same tools, I couldn't have made better decisions. I made exactly the decisions I needed to make, but the, just the timeline was too constrained. Yeah. So the logistics fell apart on their end, not just on the liquor delivery though. Right. I can't go into it. But um, but it wasn't just it it the the <clears throat> festival didn't get canceled because your cans didn't get delivered. No 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 they're, they're no they're still going ahead with it. It's on Saturday. I just couldn't. 
my product's not going to be there. Oh, okay. It's now going to be like Molson cider, seltzer or whatever instead, which is fine. But, um, yeah, it wasn't just my fuck up. There was some other stuff, but like, it is like, it is what it is. I still, I tweeted this a couple days ago from my, uh, my, my stock trading Twitter, uh, follow it bullish willows, but, um, or no willows is bullish. One of those things. I think it's bullish willows. I think it's bullish willows. Um, one of the harsh realities of business is that sometimes you try your best and you still fail. Yeah. And there's nothing. I always quote Dwight Schrute saying, uh, there's not always a lesson, Ryan. Sometimes you just fail. True. <laughs> like, so thanks Dwight. It is what it is. I, uh, I don't take L's very often. Um, and it's not like this is a humongous L like they ordered five pallets for this festival. Um, obviously we're not selling it to them anymore. So two, I've already sold two of those pallets of those five Yeah. now. Cause I was holding them for this, but I, and other people in this province wanted them. So as soon as we knew we weren't going to hit it, I'm like, Oh, okay, fuck it. I can sell them here. So I've already sold, um, like 4,000 cans of that. So could be worse. Could be worse. Could be worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. The day in the life. You know, you know, it, it kind of like I've heard. So I'm, it's always a foreign concept when I explain this to Americans and a lot of our listeners are Americans. But uh, the liquor monopoly here in Manitoba, right, is very is like government owned and everything. And it's really hard to work with. And I've always heard that Alberta, which is the province we were selling to, is the Wild West. I hear that thrown out a lot yeah and uh i i've learned through going through this process that they're just as fucking regulated as we are it's just a different system yeah you still got to sell through the government but it's like they have like a private company that warehouses it okay but you still got you can't ship direct like you can't because I, I figured you could just ship direct and like get my own courier ship direct and then just pay the levy like just pay the per yeah. liter surcharge or whatever they want. But no, you got to sell through their proper channels. And I'm like, how is this different than fucking MBLL? Yeah, that's that's hard to wrap my head around. It's like, what is the... I guess it's a control issue. Yeah. Honor, like they don't want to trust an honor system. But I mean, like they can audit sales and stuff. There's ways to monitor these things. They don't need to be physically processing stuff anymore that doesn't have to happen that doesn't really make sense yeah i don't know i i guess they're worried about um yeah like you were like uh smugglers or whatever you like could so. do that anyways just because there's a legal channel doesn't mean that people doing it illegal or gonna, gonna yeah stop doing when it i guess like how are you gonna sell these things if you're bringing it in illegally not through a store or not through the warehouse it's like a retailer still has to sell it yeah and you can audit. That's pretty fucking easy. How did you get all this? All this pallets of fucking drinks. You didn't order this through us. Like that's a pretty fucking easy. Yeah. Right? Like I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like just because you make the policy doesn't mean the laws are going to stop getting broken. The people right. that are going to subvert the system are going to subvert the system. Yeah. I, I guess the wild west in quotations that they're talking about is more on the retail side. Like you can kind of just open a liquor store. Right. Which you can't in Manitoba. I which know. Which makes like, a big difference, I guess, to the end consumer. But yeah. So I guess it's a it's a lot of a, it's a different look to the consumer. But now that I've gone through the system and like set myself up as an agent and everything, it's like this isn't. Um, I said this to uh, to our partner here in uh, in Wilden and. Um, we were lamenting about this not working out. And I said, I, I just kind of laughed and I was like, you know what? Honestly, it's kind of, um, kind of comforting that they're just as bad as Manitoba liquor and lotteries. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have a handle on this province's liquor board. Right. So I'm like, I think I can make it work there just because more, which is more of the same bullshit. Exactly. So it's like, I feel it's not something new I need to learn. Yeah. It's like just more of the same. And it's like, I guess, People are the same and governments are the same everywhere, right? Like, it's just, it is More what or less, it is. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I mean, you got to learn the nuance and stuff. Like, I didn't know how the wholesale pricing worked. I didn't know how the shipping worked, like all that shit. But like, once you learn the nuance, it's like they, they want their money and they don't care about you. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's period, right? Yeah. I was, um, an opportunity today to reach out in, uh, to a new type of client for us, which is a like mass producing builder. 
and when I say mass producing, I mean they currently today have almost 140 construction sites of houses being actively built at the same time, which is a shitload. And uh, so I was doing the uh, the personal house of the owner of that company, which is pretty cool. And yeah, we got called in, I guess, by reference from the manufacturer. And he's like, yeah, I really love this product. He's like, but we'd like to adopt something like this into our uh, into our production line but because uh, they have like a kind of like a luxury line that's about 10 percent of their volume and he's like we'd like we'd love to do this in some of our luxury homes and maybe even like more widely with like fireplaces and entertainment units stuff like that he's like because the you know the brick and the stone is kind of getting tired like when you walk through like a parade of homes or a show home they all look the fucking same like it's, there's nothing new they're all boring they all look kind of wet whatever like meh mediocre and he's like It'd be something that would set them apart, right? So he's like, yeah, I just hate the lead time because you had to wait four months for this product. And he's like, we can't afford to wait that long. We may, we move way faster than that. So I'm like, oh, well, we can source these other products. I'm like, we actually directly distribute a number of things that would be like an equivalent and uh, would actually probably be cheaper as well. Something more affordable because obviously he's very interested in margins on every fucking thing. And then he's like, well, you guys are one of the most expensive expensive tile crews we've ever hired and i was like yeah well <laughs> um i'm like but we're specialists i'm like and if you're talking about like he was saying like 25 a year 25 houses a year potentially doing like you know a couple parts of the house in just a specific product i'm like well you know if you can if we can talk about volume i'm like we can talk about discounts but yeah like we can definitely source something that kind of suits your needs and he was like oh that's interesting he's like i'll i should like talk to my designers and stuff i'm like that'd be fucking awesome because that's like potentially if we could close that guy even just doing kind of the bare minimum if he gave us even half of his properties it'd be an extra it's like 60,000 to 100,000 a year off of that guy and that'd be sweet because then I could consistently get into this niche that I want to get into and then the best part about it is now you're getting a product introduced into a market because they're kind of like a leading edge right whatever people see in the show homes is what they want to start buying He's like, whatever we give them is what they want to buy. And if we like show them something new, it becomes the new standard that they ask for. So if you start doing this, you're going to force other builders and other, um, you know, wider mainstream to adopt this kind of thing. And if they start, if others start trying to do it to catch up because they have this thing that they're not doing that the other guys are doing that looks better. Now you start getting wider adoption. And in, in a niche that I'm very specifically trying to be a specialist in, that's fantastic because if we can kind of like get our name in there and even pick up half that fucking business that's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year which would be sick and it's my favorite type of work to do as well which is awesome so yeah so it was a very good day it's kind of like the um your neighbor gets a new car so you want to get mm -hmm. a new car yeah it's a it's a style trend that's is what uh, it is it's like it's a okay. big it's a big style trend it's not significantly more expensive but on the install it is a little bit more so it's it is a premium product but um, even though it's ugly, like if you look at like brick and stone on houses and it just kind of looks basic and normal and cookie cutter, that shit is expensive. Like brick layers and stonemasons make a 50% premium over what we get paid. Just automatic. Even though their stuff looks like shit, they get a paid 50% more. <laughs> Throwing shade against stonemasons. Well, the, the, even if you're a talented stonemason, a lot of the products are very boring and just like kind of, there's time. not there's not a lot of imagination in the industry at least in our city i know in some places there is there's a lot of talented people doing crazy good shit but when you become a good large, architect you uh, move out of winnipeg uh not necessarily we have good design here it's just a lot of the trends they just get like beaten to death and then you go through these suburbs and every fucking house looks the same and like i don't know everyone can relate to this suburbs especially are the worst because they change only when they absolutely have to yeah and they're gonna crank out stuff that's just similar as possible like nothing drives me more crazy than these neighborhoods you drive through that are just like these big looking houses they're all stucco they're all grayish brownish taupey colors they all look they're all stucco they all look pretty much exactly the same they're the same profile and if you go in them even though they look big from the street it's just because they're a little bit high like the you know the 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 properties are kind of built up and the garage is pretty big on the front but when you actually go inside of them it's like Oh, this isn't a big house. Like, you know, the size of the house you're living in now are smaller. My place on Grassy. 
Yeah. Remember that? Like, yeah, I always noted that, like how narrow it was for how big it looked. Yeah, exactly. There's like, that's definitely how it feels. And when you go look at show homes, it's very underwhelming. And it's just like, okay, this is the standard. Reminds me of like a general store in like a old West town where they have like the fake yeah wood on the front to like yeah, yeah, the facade the facade yeah yeah um absolutely we have we actually have a college in uh we have a number of places in the city where they've uh, preserved like the the front of the building like, yeah just yeah. the front wall and, ton of, a ton and, of it, yeah. and built a new building behind it and just like bolted the old wall to the new building and it looks old from the front but it's brand new it's as really, a heritage thing yeah it's uh, really, the, our city does that to preserve yeah it's pretty cool like even it like parking cool. garages and stuff look like old brick buildings but they're brand new on the inside yeah pretty smart it is smart yeah keeps the kind of uh theme of the neighborhood without yeah. uh like nobody fucking wants to work in a 150 year old brick building right like yeah so but it looks nice but it looks nice yeah so and like that's a big problem with um every time some developer buys a building and wants to tear it down there's always people being like you can't tear it down it's like no one wants to live in it like it's fucking filled with mold yeah. it's falling apart like it's going to cost us double what we paid for it to fix it like that happens constantly with that fucking mansion on Wellington that they tore, tore down and like the there's a hotel what, what which hotel right downtown right by the Burt um there's a hotel this is vacant yeah and uh the they won't let the guy tear, tear it down so he's literally like yeah I'm going to let it fall apart until they condemn it and they have to tear it down yeah. And then I'm going to build a new thing. And it's like, dude, just sk-. And he's like, that's my intention. So can we just skip this fucking formality? Like, and just let me fix it instead of like. Wait, the one by the bird, like kitty corner across. That's like just. I think so. Or on the next block. That turns kind of weird. Cause it has like two yeah. streets coming right yeah, to the yeah. corner on King. Like across from town cinema. <sighs> no, uh, farther towards Portage. Okay. I was going to say the town cinema one. Uh, yeah. Church of Scientology owns that. Yeah. And they're letting it just fall down because... Town Cinemas went out of business too. Yeah. Just this year. Hmm. Man, fucking uh, downtown is not doing great. I eh? was going to say town in general was has been on its way out for a decade. They... Yeah, this is a movie theater in Winnipeg that had like still as of COVID, like just before COVID when movies closed, obviously, uh, they had like $3 movie nights. Yeah. Where everyone else is like $19. And the odds are of getting stabbed are not low. Not nothing. Um, <laughs> At during, least it, it feels that way. During the day, you're probably fine. But but that's the thing. It's late night movies. Nobody wants to park down there late night because your windows get smashed. Yeah, but it's like right, like the the um, the king's head's right there. But that's and the perception. Fucking... That, yeah. That corner. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's kind of sketchy. But um, kind of in another decade, it'll be fine or worse or worse. Yeah. We'll see who gets elected. We have a mayoral race happening right now. Mm. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about municipal politics. I was going to say we should deep dive into Winnipeg mayoral <laughs> race because <laughs> nobody gives a shit about it's super relevant. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I don't know. You think this housing crash is going to happen? I'm poking it with a okay, fucking so stick. Okay, so actually, like... I, funny you mentioned that. Uh, guy. Well, yeah, go for it. Guy that I talked to today who builds ungodly numbers of homes says, uh, was saying he's like, during COVID, he's like, we expected everything to crash. But it and, went up. And he's like, in reality, what happened? He's like, I couldn't, like, there's nothing I couldn't sell. He's like, yeah. people were buying houses without seeing the price yeah. or what was like in within the four walls. They were yeah. just saying yes. Well, literally, we... And they were like, they were having, he said, people were signing open-ended contracts, yeah. which means this could cost 250 grand plus no top end. Yeah. My friend who's a real estate agent... And no completion date. ...was saying like they would, they were selling houses before they got listed. Yeah, like, absolutely. Pe- people would just be calling them being like, what do you have for sale? Like... It's like, hey, would you like to... Yes, yes, I'll buy it. What a fucking weird time in our lives say like that's never gonna happen again yeah yeah no i know it's uh so anyways he was saying that's it's they expected a crash then but obviously it's been crazy he's like but they're seeing a slowdown now yeah he's like things are really like grinding down and he's like it's probably going to be really hard until next he said it's gonna for us it's going to be really hard until next spring or summer which is good for me because i want to buy a house 
Yeah, so that means he's probably going to like dial back his sales. Yeah. Because he's going to get but, an overstock. But the problem is, he already has 120 houses being built right now. Well, but he has to keep up that pace. No, but I know. But then, like, that's the problem with construction, though, is it takes, you know, well, however a long. lot of these are pre-sold. Sure. But in general, maybe not yeah. this guy specifically. But, like, you know, it takes a year from, like, inception to yeah. finish. At least, so, yeah. So you're always a year behind what the market's doing, right? And if you're making all these houses for 2020 demand and then 2020 or sorry, 2022 demand. And then 2023 comes around and demands way lower. It's like you have, you know, pre-sold obviously is a different story, but you have all these houses now that are, there's no demand for. Yeah. I mean, so then prices come down. Yeah. Prices in, in theory. Yeah. Prices definitely do come in down. a macroeconomic sense. That's what would happen, but there's obviously more nuance. Yeah. Also when the, COVID shut down the entire country. Stock should have tanked. Yeah. And they went on the greatest bull run of all time for 18 months. So macroeconomics, you can kind of throw out the window, I think. Nowadays. <laughs> I think economics in general, you could throw out the window. Like, thing, yeah, things have gotten to a point where it's like past breaking, where it's just like, not that we're in fucking uncharted territory now. Everything's just being propped up. I think by the fucking yuan. Because Russia is fucking trading in yuan now, and uh, yen. no yen is Japanese. Yuan, yeah, Y U A N. That's the Chinese currency. Pretty sure that's yen. No, Y E N is yen. That's Japanese. Yuan sounds wrong. Okay, well I don't. Yeah, I'm probably pronouncing it poorly. I don't know. I'm gonna look this up. Keep talking. Um. Russia's doing a bunch of shit in Chinese currency now, so they're trying to destabilize the U.S. dollar as the as the uh, dollar of the world. So that's fun. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this in real time. God, I hope this isn't long. Currency of China. It is often mispronounced or mistakenly pronounced as Yuan. Yuan. And it'd be easy to think, looking at the way it's spelled in our alphabet, that it should be pronounced Yuan. But that's not correct, and it can actually be pronounced rather easily better than thus. So let's have a look into this. For Chinese word, it's not actually very hard to get it right. So you might as well. First of all, it's not the sound you initially, as in Y-O-U, you, it's not correct in Chinese, but rather the sound is more like U, like the German U, U, and like the French U as well, if you know your French, U, rather than you, okay? Pretty straightforward. Secondly, it's not the sound an, as in A-N, or as in and, an and, but rather N, as in E-N, like in the word and do you get it? And U and no you and but U and when 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 it's when that's what it is when I just said thanks when that's a when right there wow I had to go in my it's really small. Um, I know you get that a lot. Got him. I uh, went in my fire safe, which smells like chlorine for some reason. I don't know if you know the science behind that. No. The inside of my fi fire safe smells like chlorine. What is the science behind that? I don't. I I assume like stale air because it's obviously airtight. Strange. I don't know. But I have a stack of uh, foreign currency here. So I have a yuan. This is one euro. This is Republic de Cuba. Cuba. This appears to be a Swiss franc. I have n never seen that before in my life. I don't know why it's in my safe. One franc. This is a 10 pence coin. I don't think they use that anymore in England, do they? 
10 pence? Why not? That'd be like a dime. I guess. Why is it so big? <laughs> I don't know. Why is the yuan so yuan, small? Yuan so small. It's very small. It's like the size of a dime. <clears throat> I also have a bunch of um, Canadian tire money in my safe. Because <laughs> I just I just think it's funny if someone ever steals it. Yeah, just like in my uh, in the safe at um, at my office, I have a drop safe for like my employees to put the cash, and um, it's like I take the cash out of it every couple of days to do deposits in the bank, like as I should. Yeah. So the only thing in there is um, we have some like documents that are like would be useless to um, a burglar. Yeah. But whatever but um but i would be pissed if i lost in a fire um and then <laughs> there's just a frog hat oh like, yeah from dollarama it's this hat that looks like a frog and i have it positioned so that when you drop the money it falls into the frog hat <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a big fucking gold chain that's like fake yeah like plastic not even like fake gold gold but like a, a costume yeah uh, that I woke up in after your fucking work party oh, and I yeah. don't remember anything yeah. and I woke up somehow here um pretty good in it <laughs> nice so I um that's uh that's in the safe so I hope like someone goes through a lot of fucking trouble to like break it out of the wall and steal it and then bring it home and spend hours trying to get it open like fucking spooge and breaking bad trying to get the atm open yeah and uh and then it's a frog hat and a fake gold chain <laughs> like like and like not even i i, I want to stress this enough not a fake gold chain but like a obviously fake like dollarama for, plastic chain. for children like giant thick gold chain <laughs> like and they're like wow um and then they come back and kill me yeah absolutely yeah I got one more story as I pour these shots that just were, a non sequitur story. You were saying something about the Chinese currency and then we went way off it. It's fine. Um, if it was that important, it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, is this good or not? I don't know. Okay. You just opened it. I got it as a birthday present. I'm assuming it's probably pretty good. It looks like a good bottle. I think that's I know, like a mid-shelf ride. Well, I know Dylan's gin. Is fine. Yeah, I think it's a mid-shelf rye. Um, so yesterday, or no, not yesterday. Um, it's very hard to talk while you're measuring. Man, my, um, since I had COVID, I think I legitimately have long COVID, like brain fog. Lost. I, like, I can't focus anymore. That's just the vaccines. It's fine. Word. Uh, I'm not vaccinated. Are you? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> the back alley guy we went to said he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I saw a bunch of people vaccinating under the bridge the other day. <laughs> <laughs> um, got a couple. When I was bartending on uh, Sunday, there was um, a large gentleman with face tattoos that decided to sit on the stoop of my wine bar and mm -hmm. drink open alcohol on the street uh, out of a two liter um, with his, uh, I assume, lovely wife um, and I assume his bicycle that he legally owns. And uh, after they were sitting there for a while, I kind of went like I opened the door and I kind of poked my head out and I said, come on, guys, like there's a stoop right beside us for another business that's closed. Like, do you think you can just move there, please? And I was very polite. And he told me to go fuck myself and go back inside. Um, and I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to fucking run a business here. Like, come, give me a break. And then he's like, well, you're going to call the fucking cops? You're going to call the fucking cops? Get the fuck back in the building. And then, so I went back in the building. <laughs> and that's the end of my story. Wow. Yeah. I feel like you should have gotten, like, a garden hose or something. Yeah, I, uh... I like jokingly grab the sledgehammer I keep under the bar, which um, it's become a running joke that there's a sledgehammer under the bar because it's uh, it's a, re a really bad weapon. The worst for like pulling out of a out of a like behind a bar, like a bat. At least you can like swing quickly. Like this thing, like if my employees tried to lift up a sledgehammer to hit a fucking burglar, 
most of them probably couldn't get it over the counter. They would fucking smash it right into the granite. <laughs> like, yeah, they'd, they'd break shatter the granite. the granite everywhere. Like, yeah. it'd make it the situation way worse. Um, but that's the joke. <laughs> They're like the cash box. The cash box had less money in, in it than the counter. Than the worth. granite cost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but that's part of the joke is that it's yeah. such a bad weapon that yeah. it's like that's why it's there. I think it's funny. But um, anyway, we're going to um, transition here into our. Uh, part of the show that we call shot caller the part of the show fuck where um you the audience can pick the shot that we take at this um, part of the show of this part of the show this uh this um this episode is sponsored by the beyond van gogh exhibit um uh, no it's sponsored by daryl dylan daryl or is it no sorry john john gave me this bottle thanks john oh thanks john for uh sponsoring this episode you're a beauty and a real nice motherfucker a little bit of burn not too bad well what's that um so it burned on the front Mm-hmm. but what's that back taste Three Oaks. Wood? <laughs> it's literally called Three Oaks. Yeah, I like that. Um, it's very woody. That re- that right at the end. Yeah. I it like that. Feels like you're chewing on a two by four. I like that. It's uh. When did we decide that smoke and wood were good tastes? I guess it's kind of primal burning, burning wood and like sm- smokiness in your food. I Do you guess think that's that is, what it is? That's pretty primal. Do you think that's what it is? It's like I, caveman brain coming in. Well, we've been cooking shit over burning wood for quite a while. Well, as long as we've had a prefrontal cortex, basically, right? Like, yeah, because that's what. Well, that's what we figure made us the next step of evolution was that we could cook food, right? I actually, it was drugs. Well, sure. No, okay. Certainly, certainly, we were cooking food before we were taking psilocybin mushrooms no well it depends if you believe in the stoned ape theory but. remember we're talking about like a 200 million year <laughs> gap of it, like it, they would have happened kind of concurrently just they, kidding four thousand years apes wouldn't have cooked their food but in the somewhere in that period they would have started yeah i guess monkeys don't really cook their food no um and i just want to make vegans aware that um if your eyes are on the front of your head, that means you're a natural-born predator. Yeah, so a Furby is a natural-born predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just I just need you to remember that. And if you're bipedal and featherless, then you're a man. <laughs> yes. So I always, I love that quote. It's like a quote out of a textbook, but they put it on pictures of like cats walking on their hind legs. It's like bipedal, featherless, check, check. It's a man. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> kangaroo. Um, <laughs> a kangaroo is a man. <laughs> oh no. Kangaroo is better than man. Well, you what, mate? That was British. I was trying to do Australian. Hey, can we I'm really bad at accents. Yeah, I know. I know. You're also tone deaf. Yeah. A lot of people are tone deaf. Um, you think tone deaf people make good podcasters? I'm, you know, it's interesting that I'm tone deaf, but I'm, um, I'm, uh, very emotive in my speech. Yeah. That's like fair. you wouldn't describe me as monotone ever. No. Right. I'm not Mitchell. Fair. I'm very You're expressive. explosive and expressive in yeah. my speech. You just can't hold the tune or I guess like I'm not tone deaf. I just can't sing. I can. Well, hear music like well like i can well, tone identify de- tone deaf is specifically it's like it's a um if you're trying if you can you can emote you can be whatever expressive in your voice you could hit the notes your voice is capable uh and when you're whatever speaking or laughing or talking or yelling whatever you'll do it naturally but when you're trying to match a tone or something like if you're trying to hit a note and it's like a disconnect between what you hear and what you're putting out you don't 
hit like that's not synced up. Now I can whistle a note though. Hmm. I used to have to do it when I played piano. When I took my piano lessons. Yeah. They would um my teacher once a month we'd have to do theory. And uh part of the theory was you'd have to um sit with your f- back to the piano and she would play a note and I had to tell her what note it was. Yeah. And I can do that and then more advanced is I would have to like hum or whistle a note. Oh, so you're just terrible at singing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I know a lot of people are tone deaf it's a major thing. Yeah. No, I'm just like I pl- I've played instruments, so it's like I I feel like I'm not tone deaf. I think you can still play instruments. You're just hitting keys. I played the French horn. That's difficult. Yeah. So that's how that fetish started. No comment, I Put, guess. Putting your hand in things. Yeah, you had to go like this. In the bell. In the bell of the French horn. Why? Um, Something to do with vibrations. Hmm. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> I was the um, proving my point. I was not the worst French horn player in in the band. Was that a high bar? N- no, there were four of us, and I was the second worst. We didn't have a single French horn in our band, and we were pretty good. I don't know why I picked the French horn. I think I thought it was funny. It was kind of funny, yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, I did one year of band, and they kicked me out because not because I was very bad. But because I was distracting in class. Mm. And then I took art the next year and they kicked me out um, for the same reason. But it was because because they put like six bad kids in the same class. Which like at a certain point they learn like when they're making schedules to just not put kids together. Yeah. Right. So it was like me, Neubauer, Justin Corlett, Hashir, Mason Maracuso, like all in the same class. And they ran out of corners to put us in. Yeah. Like facing the corner. So they just ended up fucking kicking me out of the art class in uh, in grade eight. Uh, and then I took drama in grade nine. And uh, that was like one of my favorite teachers. Nice. Yeah. Shout out Mr. White. So you're saying it was the teacher's fault. Yeah. He, um, I remember he saved me from getting expelled because he caught it what happened before, or I don't know if it would have been an expulsion, but it was definitely a suspension on the table. I uh, wrote a paper comparing the school district to Nazi Germany. Nice. uh, Complete with like Photoshopped Nazi insignias and stuff. And like (laughs) handed it in as a project. And uh, they said it was unacceptable. But uh, between the teacher, the guidance counselor before it got to management principality administration there you go that's the world i'm worried i'm looking for uh he took it and said i'll deal with this as his like i guess he was like he was like the guidance counselor for like the troubled kids yeah which i guess i was and they're like oh no this Um, kid's gonna be a nazi yeah so he was like or worse an anti-fascist yeah so (laughs) they were nazis i made a pretty compelling argument i'll try to find the paper but um Please read it in its entirety. I was just talking about like uh, how they're they're super into like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. the the And I like I named like now I see why they were going to expel me because like I named the principal, put a picture of him. And I'm like, yeah, it's like the Fuhrer. You're like he you can't question his decisions. <laughs> like he scares everyone in line. Like, you know, yeah. and, and I'm just talking about like uniform, like school dress code being like Nazi uniforms and like, you know, like you basically described authoritarianism. Yeah, no. And, and like I wasn't wrong, but it's just time and a place. Right. I was also. 13 yeah and uh anyway so we became very close after he saved my ass for that and uh, i remember he always he told me a story one time where he uh because he he would start pulling me out of class like once a day yeah for like half an hour in like fifth period just to like basically be a therapist and uh he's from england originally and he uh, was teaching in like South London, like not the like the bad part of London for yeah. a long time, for like fifteen years. And uh, he showed me one time he has scars all on his chest and his forearms that he like hides usually. And he told me the story, and he said, uh, "Kid, because he had a lot of gang members and whatever in the school, he walks in one day, 
kids in the hall uh, fighting with um, brass knuckles, right? They're fighting, and then Buddy pulls a knife. Mm -hmm. So he takes the kid with the knife in a headlock and drags him into a classroom and locks the door. Yeah. But it's one of those like school doors with the big window. Yeah. Fucking guy with the brass knuckles punches the window and just shards of glass all over his chest and arms. Hmm. And like, like, yeah. And then he tells this story to me and this was like, this was after, it may have been before. No, I think it was after the Nazi thing. But he tells me this story because they had like kicked me out of class for anytime I was sitting out in the hallway, he'd pick me up and, and, yeah. <laughs> and be like, what, what did you do this time? And it was, so, I forget what it was, but it was something really dumb where they were just like getting mad at me for no reason. And cause like at a certain point you have beef with the teachers. Yeah. And then it's like, they just fucking anything you do. They're just like, get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he tells me the story and then he's like, and they're fucking mad about what you did. <laughs> And yeah. he's like, these fucking Canadian teachers don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, he's like, half of these fucking people just get into this so they can boss around fucking kids. And they're just like, I have a stick up their ass and they don't know real adversity. Well, it's because they, they, they couldn't get a real job. So, And then I'm like, thank you. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Teachers, you know? teachers have it hard, but I mean. No, they don't. It's the fucking easiest job. You're a babysitter. Glorified. You read out of a fucking book. Unfortunately, that is how it's turned out. Yes. My, what bef- what what I think when I before hear- you come at me in the comments, uh, both my parents are are uh, teachers. Teachers. My grandfather was a teacher for and a principal, and then superintendent of schools until he retired for fifteen years. Um, three of my uncles, two of my cousins, one of my aunts. Um, I come from a long, long line of educators, so I've seen every side of it, and it's it's the easiest profession in the fucking world. Well, second easiest. Uh, being a mom's the easiest. <laughs> Trying to get us canceled. I love it. Um, I was going to say, first thing I thought when you said the the Nazism thing, as a teacher, I would have been like, oh, this is a teachable moment because this is your understanding of Nazism and what you're perceiving is like an authoritarian structure, which is true. It's like, here's how they're different. Here's how they're similar. And like, you could talk about that and you could come out of that and be like, Oh, okay. That was actually pretty cool. My teacher done, uh, explained that and you move on. Yeah, but they were going to kick me out of, cl- out of fucking school. Which is fucked. That's yeah. stupid. That's not teaching. That's, that's, I agree. that's, uh, to be fair, this was like warning 160. But still, that's right? like you're forcing, like, you're forcing compliance from a kid who's like, which was Nazism, is what I true. see. And then now as an adult, like who's now seen this kind of alt right movement happen in Canada and America, it's like, this is exactly how that pipeline works though. Yeah. Like they're molding us, yeah. these children. Like, where do you think, th- like, I actually just quoted this because, well, this is, this is that you're, you're literally describing the idea of like the nuclear family and just like a patriarchal structure of society. Right. Like you're just, you're molding yeah, more or less, but it's more than that. Now it's even like, Christianity. Like what Christianity says, like God, our father. Yeah. That's a new idea. God has like traditionally been mother, a motherly figure. Sure. God or father, like a patriarchal structure, is like it's that that was an innovation. Yeah. Which I is get, interesting. Like, I don't know. I like I just like um I don't like to say things that conservatives agree with because I think they're all fucking dumb and crybabies. <laughs> but when they're like, it's funny because they have, it's, there's a Facebook page called like conservatives approaching the point or something Yeah. where they're like, like the one I always think of is when they're like, you're going to forgive student debt or no, you're going to, you're going to give fucking, you're going to pay for a trans person transitioning, but chemotherapy costs $80 million. Wake up, America! These fucking woke, and it's like you were almost there, yeah. right? It's like, or it's like there was a billboard that said like, Narcan is free if you fuck it. These junkies want to have an overdose, but my chemotherapy costs this much. It's like you're you're so close, <laughs> yeah. Right? 
It's yeah. like, why does your chemotherapy cost that much? You don't have to disparage somebody else. Yeah, Narcan's not the problem here. Your it's chemo that, prices are the problem. But it's like, you're so fucking close, right? And then they just yeah. go over the edge. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this with like Alex Jones before, where he's like, says a bunch of shit you agree with. And you're like, yeah, you're, and then he's, and then he's like, but it was the Jews. And you're like, oh, no, dude. Like, well, no, Tucker, there. that's Tucker. Okay. Yeah. 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 He like makes a, a couple of good points and then he like. Yeah, and then he goes off. So I guess that that's what I'm trying to say with the, with the school system is that a lot of uh, a big thing right now is the critical race theory and uh, and these teachers are going woke or whatever and it's like the teachers and it's it's not all their fault. I think the system is designed to keep people down. Obviously, right? You want people smart enough to run the machines, but not smart enough to question why they're running them in the first place, right? Right. And uh, you know they say the 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 revolution begins in the mind of a child. Right. And you put them in these schools that don't foster that. Right. They, they, they hammer you. So like, I agree with these people that they're like, all these fucking teachers are trying to mold. Like the curriculums are molding these kids. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And they're like to be fucking woke. And I'm like, no, like, you lost me. Like have you, heard you were, of, you were you, so fucking close. Have you heard of neoliberalism? <laughs> yeah. Look like, up. Or neoconservatism. Uh, yeah, like, it's just, you were so close, and you fucking... Missed it. I don't know. So, I, I uh, if it wasn't obvious, I didn't have a very good experience with school. You know what's funny is that people always ask me that as an entrepreneur, and as, especially as a young entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, this happened more when I was, like, 18 years old and, and running a business. I would always get asked about how my time was in school. And uh, I have really good experiences in school. Like, it's funny to say that because I was like, con but I was like, I thought like this shit is funny. Yeah. Getting kicked out constantly and fucking like beefing with teachers. It's like, bro, it's 8 a.m. Like, how are you beefing with a 12 year old? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I always thought it was funny back then. And I was, I, I thought it was like a challenge to see how much I could get away with, like how yeah. much I could push my luck. You know, without and like the barbecue across from their barbecue thing, like those were like schemes. Those were, that wasn't just like random vandalism. Like we were doing like well thought out schemes, right? Yeah. Like, and I, so I thought it was great. And like I was just friends with everybody. Yeah. Like I was, I had, I could just walk down the fucking hallways and just sit with different groups of people because I was just fucking friend. I was on good terms with everybody. So I had a great experience in school, which I think like is opposite of a lot of young entrepreneurs that like drop out of school. Is that they hate it, right? But I liked it, and the work and they was resent it. the work was easy, so I just never did it because it didn't. I didn't give a shit. You didn't see any value in it. Yeah. You know what's funny? I um. Every so often, this probably happens to me once, twice a year. I uh, have a nightmare. I'm not kidding. This is real. About I, I go like going back to school. Like, I'll be like, I'm like trying to get a locker open. I don't remember my combination. Nice. And I like have a backpack on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, this is like, or like in my dreams, I'm like, holy shit, I have to go to school tomorrow and I'm stressing about this and like whatever. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I don't know what that is. I don't know why that's <laughs> in my subconscious. I don't know what my subconscious is trying to try and tell you, trying to bring me back. But it's always my middle school. Yeah. For whatever reason. That's when everything started to go wrong, maybe, <laughs> in my life. But it's always my middle school. My brother's always alive. My dreams are weird. I think, not that people want to get into This Is My Dreams podcast, but I'm not going to tell you the story of any of my dreams, but um, whenever my life is going, like, poorly, um, I have these weird dreams of, like, uh, like, a Hunger Games kind of situation. Or, like... That was just... Just on drugs the other day. <laughs> yeah, or like Children of the Corn, whatever. Like, I'm in this weird situation, and it just for some reason turns into like gladiator games that expands out into like an entire city, or like you're in a school, or you're in an apartment building, whatever. And it turns into gladiator games, and it's like if my life is going really, um, really well, and I'm like, something's happened, and I feel like I'm, I'm killing it, and things are going really well, I have this dream where I'm like, I'm, um, What's his fucking name from Gladiator? 
Maximus? Yeah, a Maximus. And I'm like, are you not entertained? And I'm like just fucking murdering people with my samurai sword Russell or whatever Crow. the fuck it is. I don't think it was yeah. a samurai sword. Well, no, in my dreams, it's oh, either a samurai sword or a flail or whatever. It's something weird. But last one was a samurai sword. And if my life's going really badly, it's one of those dreams where it's like you're you're swinging the weapon and it's like you're moving through molasses and you can just never swing it fast enough and you're trying to run and it's just like you can't move faster than a slow walk even though you're trying to run and just getting fucking obliterated and having a really bad time and it's like it's this very specific type of dream it's always a different setting it's totally random it's one of those like just you know dream world where it's like you're riding a dune buggy over top of, now it's a golf cart and like it, yeah, everything's yeah. changing yeah but it's always the same themes and it's been really and i haven't had one forever since my stress levels have dropped down to zero getting into contracting and yeah no, it's really weird i don't i don't think dream analysis is a great place to go but like something no, recurring and specific <laughs> from middle school is like you wonder if that like if there's something there yeah something i repressed or something very specifically yeah 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 i don't know i i, I don't think um i've read a lot of uh dream analysis there's no signs no there's no and i i know freud's opinion on it and like a lot of the yeah the subconscious is weird like it's just like it's it's your brain trying to process information right like that's what you're well a lot yeah i mean a lot of therapy um i'm gonna learn a lot about therapy in the next year two years um so my girlfriend's going starting a master's program in like less than a month and uh one of the other things that i've learned is like what you think about therapy of like how you sit down and you talk about like your childhood trauma and all that stuff is like that's considered like that's all Freudian stuff in in a sense. They're actually moving away from that in a big way. And especially now with kind of changing needs of people, um, now it's moving more towards like um, working in the moment and like dealing with actual stress that people have because they're realizing it's like, oh, you're not stressed or you know, you don't have mental issue or uh, like mental illness or, you know, depression or whatever, because your childhood was fucked up. Maybe your life is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're observing some existing stressors. And one of the most fascinating things that I've seen recently was like the, a, a paper that got published that is like SSRIs do nothing like antidepressants, you know, working with your dopamine, serotonin levels, that does nothing. You're treating the symptoms of an issue and not addressing anything any of the things that happen so somebody that's like not making enough money to live not realizing their goals is in a shitload of debt maybe has family troubles Throwing maybe them on like drugs isn't going to help right like the the problem the world is ending climate change yeah. is happening there's nothing you can do to change it politics is fucked all the mechanisms of peace control and equality are broken and uh it's probably because your mom yelled at you it's like no, you can't blow I, it I got down. enough problem. Like it, these things are real. Like you have to validate that and uh, understand it and deal with it. And like, what are coping mechanisms for the fact that the world is ending? Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that? And it's like, I like that therapy is evolving, but um, yeah, there's there's so many bad bad therapists out there. So many bad solutions. So much bad fucking advice. Which is why one of my I'm gonna. I'm going to plug it just because I think it's amazing. Favorite in, uh, Instagram pages, if you just want to, like, laugh at the absurdity of shit that you see on Instagram, it's it's basically like a mockery of the hustle and entrepreneurship culture. It's called Entrepreneur. So we, we're, we're big fans of the Oh God, Beyond This Point podcast. Yeah, Entrepreneur <clears throat> page. Fucking amazing. Um, yeah, it'll just, like, kind of bring shit to light and realize that, like, I don't know, starting like a hustle hustle culture podcast or anything that I see in that nature it just makes me want to cry and vomit. Because this is time. a business podcast, but we get down to the actual <laughs> business roots. We talk about running businesses. Like we used to talk about how many hours we work, but like now it's not like a, a badge of pride. It's like, fuck, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm stressed out. Yeah. Next time we talk, uh, it'll be after the harvest, and hopefully I'll be a little bit less stressed out. Yeah, I mean every year, every year a little better, a little, a little wiser, a lot wiser, and things just get easier. You know, in a sense, we just get better at handling it. At least, I don't know we're getting pretty good at business at this point. Unfortunately, 
yeah. I wish uh, I could make enough money that uh, it looks like I'm good at business. Yeah, today the the fun moment with this client was uh, I hadn't met him yet, but it was my business partner Brattenton who like did the initial sales meeting quote and whatever all the conversations, and he shows up and it's just you know me this yuppie looking kid just working in the working in the garage, and uh, my helper for the day who's like 15 years older than I am looks like he could be in charge, but he's like kind of a little bit uh, like he doesn't dress up nice whatever he doesn't put himself together he doesn't give a fuck like he's like i'm just here to work and he's got like a big bushy beard wears a cap and sunglasses and uh so he walks right past us to go into his house and he's like uh, is the boss upstairs and i'm like uh no just us and he's like oh and i'm like oh, what do you need he's like oh well, i i got like some stuff i gotta go i'm like well i'm the boss and i'm like i'm running this project he's like Oh, <laughs> and I walk upstairs with him and deal with it and then like get into this whole conversation that would, that I just kind of went over talking about his business and I was like asking him smart questions like, oh, what are your, what are your production numbers? Like, what is your monthly turn? Like, I just really took, asked him some probing questions, but the guy did not take me fucking seriously. It was really funny initially after that he did, but it's like, I'm, I'm right on the cusp of like looking old enough to be in charge of things. <laughs> it's pretty good. You need some more wrinkles. But it's really stupid because in trades, I'm like, yeah, I'm 27 and I'm a top price guy in the city for this thing. And they're like, they kind of seem surprised because they think that I should be like some 40 year old Italian guy. <laughs> but I, I just feel like saying sometimes, I'm like, you know, there's people doing like surgery at my uh, age. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, fair. Yeah. This is not a high, bo- I don't know why you think that I need to be older to be doing this this well. Yeah. Like, this is not that high of a bar. <laughs> There's harder things out there to do that people younger than me are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I don't know, I just find it really funny when people don't take me seriously just because of my age. And I'm like, how long does it realistically take to be really good at this? And like, it's yeah. it's, it's not as long as you think. So, I'm getting a little bit of gray now. So uh, oof. just on the side of my head. So uh, I'll I'll stop stop getting the, uh, you're just a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. That's self-inflicted though. To be yeah, clear. eight years of running a business full time. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. your business partner wow what a stress wow uh, anyway we'll transition here into the last segment that we call tip of the morning where uh tyler and i give you a tip that uh business or life that we are go- currently going through in life or business and i have a tip because we so number well number one i'm severely behind editing these <laughs> podcasts that's notwithstanding but we've uh we've probably missed two of these in the last like month month right and uh i always preach like one of my biggest mantras you probably already know if you're a listener of this podcast is like show up every single day and do it every single day right yeah and we also have a weekly mastermind call that we've this is the second week in a row we've missed yeah yeah which is a lot for us yeah so i'm kind of like i was like stressing this morning where i'm like we've missed fucking all of it, it's like my life's falling apart. All my fucking shit's like, you know, I try to make these commitments where it's like, show up and do it. But my advice to myself, or I, let's say my cope to myself, I think can be advice to you, the listener, um, where it's like, don't, you don't have to beat yourself up that hard for like missing, because like me doing two podcasts this month instead of four is still two podcasts more than most people are doing yeah you know especially when it's hard it's a lot when especially like this time of year like you know i I like to be able to make time for my commitments no matter what but it's like literally like two weeks ago you canceled but like last week i think it was the first time i've ever canceled maybe one other time but like yeah and it was just because i i literally i was still trying to hit this deadline it was like i literally did not have any time yeah like and then i ended up working till like 11 p.m that day so, yeah, I I mean, like, I my cope was, like, you know what? Doing two podcasts, doing two masterminds in the last, like, 30 days is still a significant progress, even though it's, like, seems in my head, like, one step forward, two steps back. It's more like two steps forward and one step back. So I'm still yeah, making you progress. Gotta, yeah, you got to just forgive that's a big thing you got to be able to forgive yourself for imperfections or missing the mark sometimes like if you that's really destructive if you can't 
if you can't forgive yourself for that shit, if you can't just deal with it because it's a fact of life. Like you said before, sometimes you just fail. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes you're just overloaded. Sometimes you're just too tired. And you're, you know, you actually can't go on. You actually can't do the thing. You don't have to add insult to injury by beating yourself up for it. I just have that habit of yeah, being very lot, hard, very hard on myself. Do. So a lot of high achievers, they fucking hurt themselves if they don't achieve what they're supposed to achieve. When in reality, the actual penalty of not doing that thing is less than the damage you inflict on yourself. Well, I was like literally i was gonna say going into hysterics but that's that's, that's i would love to see that's that. being exaggerated <laughs> you're, you're i was you're quite uh, stoic i can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> will is running around the house pulling on his hair i um i was like we're doing so much less than we were doing last summer in sales so it's like yeah. i don't know how i'm gonna fucking sell i don't know how i'm gonna support my winter my slow season because we're not saving any fucking money and then I was like stressing about it and I'm like, fuck, like, I wonder how, mu- how far under we are, like how much of a difference do we need to make up? And I looked in, my- I opened my books and I'm beating every single month this summer than last year. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like numbers don't lie. Right. Like, but yeah. it feels like I'm doing less, but I guess maybe I just moved my bar, but like numbers don't lie right like it's just i looked at my books and we are doing fine may may through august which is my busiest month we're all five to fifteen percent higher than 2021 hmm. strange yeah so i don't know man where's my fucking money go that's what i want to know <laughs> it's just like where's my money how do i fucking yeah i don't know like we did like $400,000 last fiscal. We had $0 in the bank after the fiscal, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay. But then we do the books and it's like, oh, you profited, you know, 35 grand. It's like, wow. It's like, wait, where's that money? <laughs> like, where is any mo- Like, I just, I have $0 all the time. Yeah. Accounting, accounting really makes you question everything. <laughs> it's like, is someone stealing from me? Yeah. No, I think I'm just spending too. Like, yeah, but then I do my, it's like, oh yeah, but then I just bought a $200,000 piece of equipment. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can find where the money went, but it just doesn't ever feel like the numbers look. Yeah. Which is, sucks, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, this summer I had more employees than I'd ever had before. So that's more wages than ever before. More, you know, et cetera. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And I was, discussing this with uh branton the other day he's like we're talking about hitting the the seven figure mark and you know a, a net margin that we want to target and he's like i can't imagine someone giving me like eighty six thousand dollars a month to just like do this job he's like well to be fair we're already doing most of that he's like it just doesn't feel that way yeah because uh, we're like 70 80 percent of the way there but it's like it doesn't fucking feel like it it's like and then when you think about like wow a million dollars a year that's insane it's like that's so high it's like it's only a marginally higher than you're already doing yeah and it's it's i don't know it it feels really yeah i don't know accounting's fucked and that's why people when people set like hard numbers as goals like it's nice it's a good idea to do it's a good idea to have benchmarks but it can't be an absolute because what that feels like probably isn't going to make any difference in your life to begin with. Like it's good to have growth, but it's like, it's not about growing the numbers. It's about like growing your business. It's about producing more, more and better products. It's about innovating. It's about hiring more people, creating more jobs and then creating a better workplace. Like focus on all those fucking things. Stop working on your numbers and your hustle fucking apps. We're going to make that your tip of the week or what? No. Um, (laughs) mine is very short and sweet though. Um, kind of dovetail to yours always show up mine is um i've been told i'm very good at training new people and and this is like people that are either cold to the trade or people that are transitioning into the trade and or already in it and now i'm trying to make them better so my training tip or my employer employer tip is like not just show up every day but the things that your business does really well, the things that most people would kind of find hard and difficult or annoying or whatever that just don't get done, uh, find 
the positive in all those things. And for me, I don't really have to work hard for this. I just find a lot of uh, fulfillment in just doing my job really well. Fuck me, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, when, you're, you're the only one. <laughs> when people are like, oh, fuck, we got to do this thing. It's going to be really hard. Oh, it's going to be really difficult. And I'm like, yeah, it's fucking great. Let's do it. And I'm like, I'm excited for it. And I'm optimistic. And I'm always like, I'm always pushing and I'm like, oh yeah, we get to do this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. We got this project coming up. It's like, it's, it's super tricky. Like it'll be sweet. And I always kind of have this optimism all the time. And I find that if you're pushing that narrative, nobody's really wants to be the naysayer and be like, oh no, it's going to suck. Like they may be thinking it, but they're not going to say it. And they may then, you know, when they get into it and you're like, oh yeah that was amazing great day you know great job great day guys no one's gonna be like oh that sucked and no one's gonna like come out and say that and you keep that attitude and that kind of environment going long enough people will start to say the same things you know people will start to parrot that same idea and mimic that and if you can get people being excited and happy to produce really good shit better than everybody else and pull off stuff that's really difficult you just crack the code on making more money. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's worked really well for us so far. And, yeah, hopefully I can continue to scale it. But, yeah, it's it's been, it's been a big eye-opener as compared to work here because the culture is great and having to sell people that idea versus actually fucking doing it. <laughs> so, just do it. Nike is the sponsor of this... Fuck alcohol beyond Nike. this point episode 85 thank you for listening alcohol Wearing beyond Adidas. this point on instagram or whatever um we have a link tree just google it um goodbye alcohol beyond this point podcast this isn't two podcasters talking business this is two business guys trying to podcast